0: very much for the introduction. Welcome everyone. Um, so we're going to dive straight in today and today's what we're looking at is how to get more out of your investigations, how to, how to achieve a deeper level of um, risk reduction in your investigations that you normally get. Now to, to do that, the first thing we need to do really understand is where we are right now. And most of your investigations I see uh, there's this focus still on human error, right? And it's driven by some of the models in use and, and it's just what it is. And you know, we see things like this and I'm sure these are common experiences for you all. You know, the worker made an error or a violation. Um, the, you know, the, the worker failed to follow a procedure. The worker was complacent. There was complacency. They didn't identify the risk. Um, the supervision wasn't adequate. You know, they weren't there, you know, right over someone's shoulder. Um, These are common um, issues that we see, uh, or root causes, that we see brought up a lot of the time. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to ask ourselves, have we learned anything yet? Have we learned anything yet? Because typically, when we get these as our root causes from our investigations or what we highlight as our issues... These are the solutions we put in place, you know, we discipline the worker, they're written up, right, they're retrained, Um, we'll get a new toolbox, and we'll roll it out to everyone. Um, You know, we'll put the new information in the induction, we'll we'll change a line in a procedure, you know, we'll do these really superficial um, changes to our system or to the people, and, you know, we're tempted to to, to change the behaviour of our people. At the end of the day, we've got to ask ourselves and be honest, hold the mirror up. Have we actually improved anything? Have we actually made a difference to our workplace? Or are we just taking the easy way, right? And I get it. Resources are tight. Time is tight. But the problem we find, and this is from Todd Conklin, right, is that after an event, we oversimplify the event. We just just take this easy way out, and blame is easy, right? Now, many of you are sitting in there probably right now looking at me and and cursing the screen or something and saying, well, we don't blame. We don't blame. We look for organisational issues. Uh, And that's fine. You probably do. But how deep are those organisational issues? How much past human error are you moving into organisational error? And the reason we actually stick in these places, these light places, these places we are at depth is because it's easy, right? And, and we're looking for where, you know, we, we don't like things we don't understand. We, we're, we're uncomfortable, it creates discomfort um, and understanding. So we attribute an easy explanation. Right? And that uh, general, as Niski said, those first ideas which can explain the unknown as a truth are so good it's then held to be true. We don't dig deeper, right? Because uh, yep, we've got our solution. Um, the worker wasn't trained, train the worker. Or the worker was complacent, you know, let's have a conversation with the worker. The worker rushed, you know, we, 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 we put out to the workforce, we tell everyone, um, you know, don't rush. You know, there's no production pressure. However, you know, we know that's not true because we need production pressure, right? So. We've got to go through that. Now, typically what we see um, in a lot of events is how we treat people. And when we see people involved in an event, they are typically asked about their own actions and that's where we focus our investigation. This is the problem, right? Because if we view the driver as the problem, then that's that's what our questions are going to be about. Our questions are going to be about did the driver follow or not follow the procedure was the driver licensed was it did was the driver did the driver get complacent did the driver speed did the driver um was the driver trained um were they experienced in those conditions and they all those questions are purely about the driver right if we only ever ask questions about the driver just our solutions will all be about the driver and that's all we're going to have and unfortunately if that's all we do is have solutions about the driver, then we're still got risk for the rest of everyone. And I'll demonstrate, there's a story I tell and a few of you who've, who've, who've tuned in today, I've heard this story a few times, but I like it because it's simple, it gives a really clear description of what happened. So I was working with a, with a, with a mining company a few years ago and this vehicle was, um, this was before I got there, it was about a year before I came in to give these guys a hand on critical risk. And a, and, a, and a driver of a light vehicle. When I say light vehicle, it's just a Ute, standard Toyota Workmate Ute. Was driving out of the mine site, parked the car to go and get to get out of the car and go get a tag, their identification tag, of a tag board. They jumped out of the tag, the, the car, ran around, grabbed the tag, turned around. Oh, vehicle's not there, right? It's rolled down the hill. And because you know, when they pulled up, they hadn't put the handbrake on, they hadn't put it in a gear, they hadn't put it in the wall. these sorts of things right so they did uh, an ikea investigation and basically this is what they you know this was the root cause and i'm sure this is sounds common the worker failed to follow the procedure i'm sure heaps of you have seen that um and that drove their solutions because the questions were about the worker you know failed to follow procedure now you know, guess and like, you know, there's no prizes for this guessing, for this, for winning this one. This is guess what the solutions were? Guess what the actions were? Worker received a written warning and they were retrained in operating a light vehicle. All right. That was it. Those sound familiar. I've seen it countless times. And look, to be quite honest, a number of years ago, that's where I was at. That's where I was at. I thought that was doing a good job. And now I know it's not. And most of you, I assume, no, it's not too. So you now 12 months later, almost to the day, the exact incident occurs again, the exact time of day, the exact type of vehicle at the exact location at this exact same mine, right? Got out, stopped the vehicle, Ran around to go, to take their tag off the board. Ran around, car's not there, it's rolled down the hill. And this time it's just hit a wall. And the, the general manager of the mine asked me to investigate. And we made a conscious decision that we're going to apply and change our thinking from who failed to what failed. We were going to look at the organization's skin in this game. Because obviously our previous investigations don't prevent reoccurrence. And by the way, that's one of the unicorns in the safety world that uh, investigations will prevent reoccurrence because they don't, right? Um, And just look at the amount of recurrences you have. We decided to look at what's what's our skin in the game as an organisation. Where have we contributed to and enabled the error? Now, we know the the, the driver didn't put the handbrake on and didn't put it in gear, right? That's an error. Haven't learned anything yet. If you, and that's a counterfactual. If they had put the error, the handbrake on, if they had put it in gear, yes, of course it wouldn't have rolled down the hill. But we haven't learned anything. So what can we learn? And this is what we learned. We weren't that there was resource constraints. We learned there was normalized deviation. You know, I went and spent several days driving around with various people, just talking to them and about everything and not just the event, about work. And we found that, a lot of the time people didn't park properly. There was real production pressure. You know, we learned that for example, that this mine like very close proximity to a town. And if you didn't um, get out on time, if you didn't actually leave the underground workers on time so they could set off the explosives on time, they couldn't fire, they couldn't fire the explosives. Because if they did fire the explosives, When they fire the explosives, if they did fire the explosives on time, out of time, sorry, then they'd get a thousand phone calls to the EPA, and the EPA would EPA would find them. So they had a choice: they either fired outside, got a fine, which eventually would you know uh, affect their license to operate, or they didn't fire the explosives, and they couldn't, and it really constrained production for the next day. That's production pressure. There were change management issues and risk assessment issues. They put this process in, this underground tag board, with no absolute, no um, risk assessment, no change management. There were 30 vehicles going out at the end of the day and coming back in at the start of the day that were required to stop at this location. They had space for car parking for two. What's this, you know what, what did they think was gonna happen? Where was the surprise? Right. The, the obvious answer was there was not enough parking. We found that, which wasn't found was in the original investigation. There were trade offs, right? The, the, the management team just didn't have the resources it needed. So it was trading off doing certain tasks in prioritization. The supervisors were spending 80 to 90% of their time doing paperwork on the surface instead of being with their people. You know, they were working, they were working on safety work, not the safety of work. All these issues we found. Right, and and David's correct. It was all previously it was fixed worker. But look at what we found. This was asking the right people the right questions, observing normal work, right? The, and look at these systemic issues we're finding. Right, there were systemic issues we're finding here. Change management, it's a it's a system issue, right? Risk assessment, system issue, supervision, system issue. These are system issues that we need to explore with greater depth. And that's what we found. And correspondingly, our corrective actions, our recommendations were based around these issues, these system risks that we found. We've got to change our bias. So rather than our driver, let's make our questions about the organization's role in the event, because that then will drive our solutions to organizational solutions. And those organizational solutions, provided we're deep enough, that's where we'll reduce systemic risk, right? That's where we'll hit it. Mention Todd again, sorry, I love love Todd and he's got some great stuff. Um, He's written a few books worth having a look at. A fatality fatality or a serious event is an organizational failure. It's not human error, right? You know, we've spent the last twenty years trying to fix the worker. It's not working for us, right? We need to change the focus. We need to change the focus on our organisation, on our system, right? And there's a number of areas we can look for this, like systems thinking for safety, um, the ten principles by, by Stephen Schrock. There's some really good stuff in here. It talks about so, so. Um Shrock talks about how the system's interrelated, how outcomes of the system come out of the whole system and how it's interlinked. There's, there's no, nothing happens in isolation. It all emerges and success and failure emerges out of the same system, right? And then what Shrock's talking about is some of these system things. And this is what we need to get our investigators to truly look at when they're looking at their investigations, right? What are, the, what's the field level involvement like in, in, in the empowerment like, right? Where's the local rationality, okay? Where, where have we got demand and pressure? Where's there's resource constraints? You know, COVID has affected greatly industry in the last two years and how we do things. How many investigations are, no, are, are, are pulling up that COVID has affected resources, be it people, be it equipment, those sorts of things. The trade-offs that we have to do, right? All these things and even just the normal variability, variability of work. You know, we know that that these things all contribute. We look just independently. We have to look at how they relate to each other. Right. And so as Sharok talks about, you know, these things, success and failure, emerge from the total system that we have right? And they're equivalent, success and failure come out of this. So, you know, this is where we need to start looking in our investigations, right? Is our systems. Another area we should start looking is in high reliability organisations, right? And they possess these, and they call themselves a learning organisation, right? And that they are learning organisations. They have these five common characteristics. Now, there's a whole heap of of um, papers written about these guys and, 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 and science behind HROs. If you have not into it yet, I, I really encourage you strongly to have a look at HRO theory. And it's practicality because this is where it matters. And they have these five common traits, right? They have a preoccupation with failure, um, this chronic unease. It, it's basically, you know, what's going wrong when there's nothing going wrong? A reluctance to simplify, which we're going to go into greater depth in the next slide. they sensitive to operations, the variability of work, right? That deference to expertise, acknowledging that the people that do the work, all right, are not something to be fixed. Yeah, then there's something to be harnessed, there's solution waiting and desperate to, to be empowered to, to help fix the issues we have. And this commitment to resilience. Right. It's building an error tolerance system, right, that we know um, is, is can survive failure and thrive after failure. Right. These are the, the, the principles of a higher HRO. How does this help us with investigation? Because if we're a learning organization, that's what our investigations will do. They'll actually help us learn and improve. Right. And if we look particularly in today's terms of today's frame of reference for, for systemic issues, we look at this reluctance to simplify, right? They're learning the real reasons uh, behind success and failure, not just failure, it's success as well, right? This is what we're trying to achieve, success and failure, right? They avoid discarding information until it's well understood. We don't just look for that simple explanation, right? We want a deep analysis of a wide range of data. So teach about not learning to the event, but learn about the work. What's everything about the work and the context of the work? That's that data we're talking about. Rep, understand the reasons for success so we can replicate them, right? Understand the reasons for and most importantly, they're wary of blaming human error, right? They don't stop with human error. They, that's a starting point, if anything, right? Uh, that's where they work. Now, we, we, we review uh, countless investigations here. And too often we see um, organizations who say, yeah, we've got an overland culture. We don't blame that. And that's okay, I get that. You know, we're, seeing, we're seeing now less and less of worker being disciplined. Uh, and, and, but we're still seeing other things we're still and trained and we're still seeing these, these, sort, these are the sort of organisational issues we're seeing, right? We're still seeing the worker wasn't trained, we're still, there was also seeing the procedure was wrong or missing, so we put a line in the procedure. We're seeing the risk was not identified or a guard was missing, you know, or the equipment broke down. We're seeing these as our organisational issues. And fortunately that's where investigations are stopping and it's just scratching the surface. What we're after is the systemic organizational issues, right? If these are the, 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 the processes, the foundation processes in our organizations, which aren't working well, right? Um, and they are inherent to the overall system. You would go back to Chiroch's um principle of emergence, the, the system being interrelated, they're not isolated factors, right? These are the foundation things. And you know these foundation things in your business. You know these things that aren't working. Um, we talk to a lot of organizations about risk management, risk assessments. And you know, I, I bet you uh, I I bet that you know you're not happy with the risk management processes. We were unhappy Well, a lot, majority, majority of units, generalization, I know there'll be pockets of prints, um, that for example, we're not happy with how risk assessments are done. We know at a lot of levels, they're tick and flick, yet we, ha- we don't get past that, right? And that's the systemic issues we need to start seeing being discovered in our risk assessments. I'll give you some examples here. So if we look at this, a worker not trained, or no VOC for forklifts, we know they're organisational issues, right? And they're easy to fix. So that's, you know, we'll just train the workers or implement a VOC for forklifts. Organisational solution, organisational issue. Pretty simple, right? This sounds familiar to you guys with your own investigations. There's no depth, right? And we know that why weren't the workers trained? why is there no VOC for, assist- for for forklifts Workers weren't trained because maybe there was no training needs analysis maybe there was no there wasn't enough trainers involved maybe it gets down to the resourcing of the training department maybe it's not resourced at all maybe we don't do these things no VOC for forklifts or maybe we just we didn't consider, the VOC is being a credible part of our training management system. Why didn't we see that? Maybe it's lack of experience. Maybe it's lack of information. Maybe it's a lack of resourcing again. We need to get beyond, below that tip of the iceberg. You know, it wasn't the top of the iceberg that not see Titanic. It was below. Um, I hope that's correct anyway. <laughs> right, so if we were really truly to dig, and I, I'm assuming that heaps of you um, have, have have conducted investigations or managed investigations or reviewed investigations where training's an issue, right? How f- it frequently comes up. And to be honest, it's a hard thing to fix. That's a substantial herd of elephants to get your head around in any organization is how do we deliver on this, you know? And we might find a systemic issue like this. The training system not providing us trained competent workers, right? Now we know that if we have trained competent workers, it improves our capacity to work more safely. That's great English there. To work safely, it improves that capacity, right? We know that's the truth, right? If we've got trained competent workers, does our training system deliver that? If not, then it doesn't provide that, right? And it's just a counterfactual, pretty much. Implement a training system, provide trained, competent workers is a solution. Right. And these are the sort of things we're looking at. Like, so, example, and you know, burn me at the stake, heretic, uh, if you like, the take five process, that T, T the pre task risk assessment that we get a lot of people to, to use. And we're calling a variety of, you know, There's take fives, slams, you know, all these, you know, other other things that we call them. Are they meeting their objective? Is the management system meeting its objective, right? Is our risk management, is our change management meeting its objective? Is it managing change? If it's not, well, then maybe it's not managing change across a wide variety of risks in our business that we're bringing in, right? Are we purchasing fit-for-purpose equipment? If not, that could affect more than the one one issue, right? Are we resourcing things correctly? This is where we need to dig. We need to get into these foundation systems. It could be human resources. It could be, you know, as I said, budgeting process. It It could be in the investigation process. All these things, these foundation systems are where we need to look, right? And reduce systemic risk, we need to identify it. Now, to identify systemic risk, we've got to get into the context of normal work. So this is from one of Todd's books, Pre-Accident Investigation. Um, Highly encourage um, people, if you haven't read this, to read this. And Todd talks about the context being the most important part we can learn. And he's not talking about the context of the event. What he's talking about is the context of the work. Right, the context of how the work is completed every day, because that's where we'll find our systemic issues. So Todd also talks about the black line and the blue line. So the black line is how we imagine work to be done, or we intend work to be done, but that's our policies and procedures and those sorts of things. This is where, how work is normally done, every day, every day, we know you know, I've talked to heaps of people and heaps of organizations and typically I get a response of anywhere between 50 to 70% that our procedures are complete and correct. So what are do they doing the rest of the time? They're adapting, they're innovating, they're getting the job done. If you tell them to dig a hole and you give them a backhoe, they'll use the backhoe. If you tell them to dig a hole and all I've got is a shovel, they'll use a shovel. That's how workers work. We come to work to get the job done Get paid, go home, right? And no one intentionally comes to work to get hurt. So what drives how they choose to do a job? Well, personally, I think there's some lot of work to be done in this space about choice in this occasion, in this instance, but I think it's more about reaction and response. And they're responding to all of these type of issues. And they occur whether or not we have an event or not. These exist all the time. You know, we talk about design shortcomings maybe there's issues with the, with, the, with the plant the fixed plan itself or the mobile plant the variability of work people come and go like you know we, a lot of organizations now experience labor shortage um, particularly um, unskilled labor shortage right that's affecting how we go and and, and we're also experiencing skilled labor shortage right which is amazing considering where we are um, in the world right now. we've got flawed processes. Right? there's resource constraints. I don't work, I don't work with any organization that believes they're overstaffed. Every organization I work with believes they've got more work than they can possibly do. Right? We talk about goal conflicts and there's age- old ones like you know operations and maintenance, uh, production and, and safety. Um, you know, contractor client goal, goal conflicts. all these things drive how work occurs, right? The conditions of work. And this is the thing, this is the places where we need our investigations to start pointing. We need to start tracking on these things and moving away from from the typical stuff we dig into. Asking the questions, where do you have to adapt? What's out of your control? These are the questions we should be asking our investigation to learn the systemic issues. Because this is about the work about the event. And that's what we want to do. Uh, and look, just as an aside, um, ask yourself this, right? Just ask yourself this question. A bit of homework. Where do you see your procedures? Are they, you know, in terms of like, they 100% complete and correct, 90, 80, 70? Ask yourself that. And acknowledge that, if we acknowledge that they're not always complete or correct, and they and probably couldn't be, to be quite honest, you know, imagine how big they'd be. Why do we only react or respond when something goes wrong why do we not react when work goes well or respond when we work goes well and reward our workers for adapting and having success typically we don't we our response is to ignore it right because our standard position in management safety is you you must always follow our procedures even if they're not correct or complete Um, which is a little bit you know i don't know a concern again we're shifting our thinking from who failed to what failed eric talks about it eric holnell talks about it in his in his book safety one and two please refer to it as safety one and safety two not just safety two because it's not just safety two eric talks about let's focus on what goes well understand why work goes well ensure that work goes well not just when it goes wrong but we still need to get what goes wrong. Eric has never said ignore when things don't go well. He's saying let's learn about everything, right? So, and that's what we're talking about in the, in the previous slide. What's going wrong when there's nothing going wrong? That's the same when we're talking about high resilience, high reliability organizations. You know, that chronic unease, right? That focus on learning about what's going on here in the middle. And that's where we'll start to see our systemic issues. Let's have a look at a couple of examples. Now, don't kill me. I've used five wise as a simple example. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think five wise is a pretty valid, sort of simple model for low-level investigations. I don't recommend it for high-level investigations because I don't think it gives enough depth, but we can still sort of get there and demonstrate this. So typically we might see, and I've just used the 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 um, as a demonstration from from the story about the car, the vehicle not parked, you know, vehicle not parked correctly, right? Typically, we'd actually see that as worker did not park the vehicle correctly, right? But, you know, we're trying to change the language. Uh, Worker failed to follow the procedure, you know, rushing or complacency. You know, we'd see those sorts of things. Those are the sorts of things that would come out of a typical investigation, Right. So we'd retrain the worker or something like that. It might be that there wasn't a, you know, might also be that there wasn't, there was a line in the procedure. It could be something like that. And then we just put a procedure and then we focus on the human error. Instead, and and we do this with people when when we're training them on this sort of stuff. Let's take, yes, we've got the error, but you're not allowed now to talk about the human. Only can talk about, you're not allowed to mention the human at all, no human factors, all we want you to talk about is organisational issues. And we start to dig into areas like this, you know, insufficient parking provided, the risk assessment is not completed as part of change management, change management not completed as part of normal operations, not set as a management expectation or priority, management team not sufficiently resourced, right? We're focused on systemic organisational issues. Now, if we really dig deep into these things, right, we see these are things that could actually affect how other things are done. For instance, yeah, we could have easily st- stopped here at, at, at question one and gone, yep, they don't have enough parking, put some more parking in. Yep, we could do that. But hang on, why aren't we completing risk assessments of change management? What other areas are we exposed to in our business? Where could change management? have really uh, leaders exposed if we're not doing it properly, right? And I see this change management issue, so many organizations. And it astounds me because we should have learned this with Piper Alpha, right? I mean, this is an old, this is, this is a foundation of modern, you know, of, of what we consider part of modern safety is Piper Alpha and the lessons learned from there was change management, right? So that's a systemic issue. Are you picking that up? Right? It's not completed as part of normal operations. Well, we can; these are system issues we can fix, right? Not seen as a management expectation of priority. We can change that, right? And if the management team's not sufficiently resourced, we can change that. Right? Alternatively, we can also turn around and say, you know, the CEO or owner of the business can turn around and go, that's okay, we understand that, that's our risk, we're gonna to tolerate that risk. But at least we've given them the information to make the decision and manage what they know, not manage what they don't know, try to, you know, not managing what they don't know, if that makes sense. So, we've found these risks, we've found these systemic issues, we've got down to the deep stuff, right? And we've got to get the right actions. So we go back to the start of this presentation today, and what we talked about was those really simple things, right? What we're trying to do with our actions, and this is what investigators need to challenge themselves for, is creating the distance between the risk and normal work. Not between workers intended, not between workers imagined, but between the risk and normal work. How it's done when it's affected by all of those um, all of those things that we, we have involved in, to in, in normal work, those issues, those constraints, trade-offs that we discussed earlier, right? And we need to get at the higher end of the hierarchy, right? We need to get higher in the hierarchy. If you went back and looked at your hierarchy um, of controls that you've applied with your previous investigations, how many are admin actions? What if you removed all of those? What's left? What's left in that place, right? Um, We need to get into this space, right? Address these issues. You know, I look at, you know, sometimes maintenance of equipment. I don't see enough issue or question being asked about, did we select the right preventative maintenance strategy? Four, combine these things as Sherrock talked about, right? Local rationalisation. There is no way a vehicle operating in an underground mine like a standard vehicle should follow OEM manufacturer recommendations for maintenance, right? Because it's not true, right? They, it's not reflective of the damage and the, and, the, and the work that the vehicle does, right? We should be looking at interlocks, automation, those hard things. And look, they cost money. That's why your investigation reports not just need to be this, yeah, we identify the root cause, we're going to fix it. They need to be about building a business case for change. If we've nearly killed someone, right, and I'm talking, if we've killed someone, we really should be presenting to our management team, right, a business case for change. And that's where we need to start. Build a business case for change, identify the systemic risk, and get into these hard actions that'll actually do some, do some damage, right? That'll actually help reduce our risk. Okay, now I've stolen this slide from one of my other presentations on critical risk management that we did there with, uh, with my. And too often I see critical, like these controls that come out of, of, of um, or actions, which are just controls, right? Actions are just controls to manage the risk we found, right? Um, are just so poorly designed, right? We just, they're, they're a motherhood statement. Right. If we're talking about critical risk and we're putting actions in around fatalities, they need to be designed properly. Right? They need to be about what is actually going to happen at the work front, at the workplace that actually affects change. It needs to be about the safety of work, not safety work. Right? And they need to have objectives and targets. They need to have performance requirements. We need to have they identify the systems and monitoring effectiveness. The ICMM, so I think it's the International Council of Mining and Minerals, has some great guidelines on critical controls, the design and management. Please go there if you want to have a look and dig in a bit deeper and see how we can how we can do this better. But you know, let's get specific with our controls and our actions and actually make a difference. Right, that's how we start to see systemic risk reduction. Now. As part of investigation, we come up with these systemic, um, the systemic uh, issues. That's too big for us to include a systemic, like a real focused action plan for a systemic risk. And I've put this one here, the training example in here. Now, to actually implement a training system, provide trained competent workers, isn't something we can do in a week or two weeks or you know even three weeks. It's gonna take significant planning, it's gonna take significant consultation, it's gonna take resources, um, it's gonna take change management. So in your investigations, uh, our advice is just put the goal-based recommendation and let the subject matter expert, who's accountable for this, come up with a specific plan on how to fix it. That's their job, right? But we've identified the risk, we've identified what we need to do as a, as a goal-based recommendation, and therefore we leave it with them, right? And let them do what they've got to do. Um, And then we'll see, you know, and that's that deference to expertise, right? We'll actually see the experts solving the work. Um, And that's about it. And I see, um, thanks for bearing with me. It's been a quick one today. Um, And I see Renee's uh, put a comment in the group chat there about um, too much focus has been placed on policies and procedures for what the work is actually done and what they're faced with, yep. And that's it. We're talking about normal work. So uh, thanks for that. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll back to you, Sarah.
1: Thanks, Mark. Um, Well, I'd like to invite some questions in the Q&A panel if anybody has any. And um, uh, just while we wait, that um, brings us actually to the end of webinars this year. So it's been a great a year and I'm thankful for everyone who's participated and and, and especially all the experts who've um, offered their advice throughout the year um, I think people are learning a lot um, just in the chat feedback if you like um, just uh, any topics you'd like to see next year coming up um, anything you need to would like to learn more about or explore any thoughts um, we're looking at having some panel discussions too if you if you're you uh, are think you can suggest any topics for those um so uh, mark yeah we don't have any questions um that's we will all. send that video out later today and podcast um david said thank you mark marsh very much appreciate your expertise and willingness to share your experience and knowledge um and that's what it's all about so, so yeah. it's, it's great yep yeah.
0: No, thanks sarah and thanks everyone for your time today look our website's up there i've got my contact details there. Feel free to reach out if you want to have a chat um, about investigations or risk management. And yeah, we're happy to chat at any time. And thanks, Sarah, for for hosting uh, the the last one. You'd be relieved. Um, And uh, thank you very much uh, for hosting, Zane. Thanks, everyone, for coming along. I appreciate it. And thanks, David. Thanks,
1: everyone. Bye. Bye.